first is they have a wrong understanding of what we do. They don't understand that this is a sales job. It's a technical sales job, which I'll explain in a minute, but it is absolutely a sales job. They assume that the low barrier to entry means it's easy. So the barrier to entry is pretty freaking low. Like when you think about it, like you literally take an online course in a week or two, you can advise people on their most expensive, you know, investment that they're ever going to make. You make a mistake, it could be huge cost for them and potentially for you if you end up in court. That's the first reason. I think people, they underestimate they're actually climbing Everest and they think they're going out for a hike in their backyard. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I'm actually going to be sharing with you a video from our Rookie to Rockstar program. We have 180 plus training videos on everything from how to find business, how to convert clients, and how to get mortgages funded. And I thought, hey, this would be a fun thing to share. You can also check this out on our YouTube channel if you want to see the actual video with slides and all that cool stuff. And the topic is why did new mortgage brokers fail? And the failure rate is incredibly high for mortgage brokers. In fact, it's gone up since the market has gotten more difficult, which is why you have to constantly evolve and and um, be staying ahead of the curve because what worked last year doesn't always work this year. And so one of the things that we've been focusing on is looking for new referral partners, which is not just real estate agents, but also financial advisors, accountants, and other professionals that have networks. So the idea of one to many. But in any case, in this episode, I'm gonna be talking about why new mortgage brokers fail. I'm also gonna be talking to Tom Hall from Blue Mortgage about how to become a master at renewals. Before I jump into that, let me give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers. It's super easy for them to use as they fill out the app. It's got intelligence built in. It sends them a list of what they need. When you pull the app into your Finmo account, you can then search Lender Spotlight with all the rates and guidelines, which is super helpful. And finally, when you go to hit submit, it actually pulls key data from the application, puts it into the notes so that you can get a yes much more quickly. Check it out at lendescom slash Finmo and check out this episode. Hey, welcome to Why New Brokers Fail. So I'm Scott Backford, and first off, welcome to one of the most profitable careers on the planet. Where else can you make hundreds of thousands of dollars wearing flip-flops? But before we jump into that and all the training things we're going to help you do, I want to kind of have a heart-to-heart with you like the, my first boss did with me when I got in the mortgage business. And so I'm going to talk about failure and why it's challenging and why you need to adjust your mindset around what you actually do and what you need to do so that you can be successful. So let me ask you a question and you be honest about this. You can maybe write this down or think about it. So if I could wave a magic wand right now and I could give you, there's three skills that are available and one of them I could make you world-class at, which one do you think is the most valuable? So there's funding skills. So that's understanding the lender guidelines and the policies and all the nuance of everything, you know, how the different lenders and stuff work. There's sales skills. So this is converting clients and getting them to work with you and understanding how to handle objections. And then there's marketing skills. This is finding clients. So which of the three, if I could wave my magic wand and say, poof, you now have this at black belt level, which would you pick? It's like that show, um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Lock in your answer, you know, play the music, lock in your answer. Okay, so I'll come back to this and I'm going to ask you again at the end. Let me tell you a quick story first. So now that you got your answer locked in. So when I first got in the mortgage business, this was 2006. And my wife was a new mortgage agent. She actually got hired by this guy. So she was new. She gets hired by this guy. And like she went through a couple of interviews. And then he said, okay, yeah, great. Come work with our company. And then she's like, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. And he's like, and of course, what's he going to say, right? He's like, oh, crap. I just offered you to come work here. 
And then she said, but don't worry, I have a plan. My husband's going to come work with me in the mortgage business. And so just to give you a backstory, my wife, she was a banker for many years. So she was a financial services advisor. She knew, like, she knew her stuff. Like, and then there's me. I was a paramedic. And I was like, I don't really want to do the night shifts anymore. Originally, when I was in my 20s, I wanted to be a financial advisor. But I looked like I was 15, realized nobody's going to give me their money. So I became a paramedic for nine years. And so he met with me, interviewed me, and went back and sat on my wife. He said, listen, I met your husband. This is a terrible idea. He is not going to make it in this business. Like this, I highly recommend you don't do this. We've laughed about this since this owner. Basically, hey, like this guy doesn't have what it takes. He should not be a mortgage broker. It was actually the best thing he could have said to me. If he would have said, oh, Scott, you got this. It's going to be easy. You're going to be great. You like serving people. And so what he had recognized in me is that I had this sort of disdain for sales. I thought sales was scummy. And yes, it can be for sure. Salespeople, there are scummy salespeople. But I thought that they were all that way. And so I had to make a massive mindset shift. I had to go from like thinking that all salespeople were just trying to take from you. And so in that first year, I read so many sales books. I took sales coaching. I was like, I had to rewire my brain and a switch flipped. All of a sudden, I was like, wait a second. To me, this is how I define sales now. Sales is about serving people, serving the right people, and sometimes telling people, no, I do it all the time. And in multiple business, I mean, we tell people, even they're willing to write me a check. I'm like, I'm not the right person for you. You should go somewhere else. So serving them is serving the right people. And then to me, sales is about communication. The better I get at communicating that, I can you know help the right people better, faster, and I can identify the people that aren't and point them in the right direction. That's it. So when I shifted from sales being taking to serving, everything became possible. So in the first year at his company, I was the number one mortgage broker in his company. Second year, I was the number one and then went and started my own mortgage company after that. And if I did not have that shift, he wouldn't even be listening to me talk today because I guarantee you, I would never have got out of the gates if he would have just told me, don't worry about it. You just need to like, because I would have never got it going. So I'm going to ask you another question. Why do you think banks pay us? So like, when you think about this, like why do banks and lenders, like there's, why do they pay mortgage brokers, right? I mean, they have people that can do it. They have their own sales force that could do it. They, all the large banks have a, their own internal sales force and they're actually cheaper. They pay them way less money than they pay us or not way less, but significantly less. So why are they paying us? You know, the reality is, is that they pay us because what the technical term is, and in the US, they call us originators. So they call them loan originators. Like, what does that mean? It means they pay us to find them business. That's it. That is their number one thing. And if they didn't need to pay us, if they could find a way to not pay, they would not, nothing against them. I'm grateful for the lender partners we have. But if they could not pay us, they would be happy to continue to get business. So this is the number one priority as you as a mortgage broker is not understanding underwriting guidelines. They will come in time and I'll share with you how you actually can become a black belt in underwriting, but you need to learn how to find business. So this is if you're going to do it referral-based or ad-based, you can do both. We don't teach ad-based because for most people, they don't have the budget. They don't have the like technical knowledge to do it. We teach referrals-based business. And so referral-based business is how you're going to go find business. Then you, once you get them, then you got to figure out how do I convert them? How do I convince them I am their best fit if you genuinely are, right? That's the key things. And then getting it funded is the next step. So what does a mortgage broker do anyway? You know, ultimately what our job is, is we are salespeople. And if you don't like that word, this is going to be a mindset. You're going to write down sales, cross it out and write service. But that doesn't mean that you can't up your service isn't just like McDonald's. Would you like fries with that? Because if that's your sales skill, you're going to make money like a, somebody working at McDonald's. 
that means you need to really up your communication game. You need to up your ability to handle objections and deal with challenges and struggles. It's all going to come your way, but it's going to be totally worth it. Trust me. So, you know, one of the interesting things is, is that market share for mortgage brokers in the last 10 years has gone up. Like we were at 25%. This is in Canada. You know, in the US, it was high, then it dropped. And then it was now it's coming back up again. But in Canada, the mortgage market broker market share is increasing and like from 25 to nearly 50%. And so much so that a lot of the banks that were either in the broker channel at one time are coming back. And you'll see this, I guarantee it. You watch over the next year or two, we're going to see way more of these entrants back in because brokers are eating the lunch of mortgage specialists and branch reps, people that work at branches. I'll share in a later video why I think that is. There's a bunch of dynamics that's causing that. But ultimately, what it comes down to is banks and lenders pay us to find them clients. If they could replace us, they would. Nothing against us. And they use the broker channel because more consumers are there. So if this is where the consumers are going, which is good for us, then the banks are going to be here too, right? But make no mistake, if they had some way to eliminate us, we're a, an expense line. I know of a mortgage broker who's actually worked in high-level banking at a major bank, and he was looking at the financial reports. And he's like, what is this line? All these millions of dollars. Oh, that's commissions to mortgage brokers. He's like, why am I working here like a sucker? Like, I'm going to go be a mortgage broker. Like, that's way more money than I ever get paid, and I have to kill myself working here. So we are an expense, but that's okay. So I have four reasons why I think most new mortgage brokers fail. The first is they have a wrong understanding of what we do. They don't understand that this is a sales job. It's a technical sales job, which I'll explain in a minute, but it is absolutely a sales job. They assume that the low barrier to entry means it's easy. So the barrier to entry is pretty freaking low. Like when you think about it, like you literally take an online course in a week or two, you can advise people on their most expensive, you know, investment that they're ever going to make. You make a mistake, it could be huge cost for them and potentially for you if you end up in court. That's the first reason. I think people, they underestimate they're actually climbing Everest and they think they're going out for a hike in their backyard. The second is they have no step-by-step -step plan. So because of that, because of no plan, they're all over the place. They're on Facebook groups. They're listening to 50 different people tell them what to do. You know, somebody who's been in the business for 20 years says, you should just go do this. I'll tell you what, I started this business 16 years ago. The way I did it then would not work today. It wouldn't. You know, I think I'm pretty good at this now. But I would have to up my game substantially to compete because it's way more competitive. Because as the market share grows, so does the number of people entering the space, right? So does the competition. So the competition's gone up. The, the, the confusion has gone up because regulation has increased. We've seen significant uptick in like just the complexity of mortgage products. And it's way, 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 like when I was started, it was easy compared to now. So listening to advice from somebody who's 15 years ahead of you may or may not be the right thing to do. So there's no step-by-step -step plan. We have a 100-day challenge, which you are now in, and I'm going to break that down in an upcoming video. But you literally, the best thing you can do is just follow the yellow brick road right to your mortgage. Like, There's multiple ways to get up Everest. You can do it over the next five years. Slowly beat yourself up. I have an academy where I train people in uh, experienced mortgage brokers how to go from like 10 million to 20 or 20 to 40. A lot of them have spent all this time in the mountain. They finally get there. And then we're like, dude, there was a way faster way. But hey, look, now that you're here, we're going to show you how to go further. I'm going to show you the fastest possible way to get up that hill. I want to make sure that you're aware of this. It's not going to be easy. Like I'm not saying, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. It'll be worth it. You're going to push yourself. You're going to be uncomfortable, but it's going to be challenging. Just like if you're going up Everest in a steeper ascent, the quickest way possible, it's going to be a little more difficult than if you decide to take three years to do it. The other thing is they focus on the wrong things. So they're spending time on business cards and logos and, you know, what does my Facebook post look like? None of that stuff matters. Like that's not going to move the needle. It certainly won't move the needle for a significant period of time. Unless you have a lot of cash in the bank, you are probably not going to survive. And then finally, they had lack rate support. So, and I mean by training and support, 
one of the reasons we have underwriting coaches that are available to you guys five days a week is because we know that when you get a question from a client on a file, if you don't get them an answer, they're going to go somewhere else. They're going to think you know what you're doing. So we invest in amazing underwriting coaches that are only allowed to work on your files, not their own, and they can answer questions at any time. And then the failure rate is really high. So, you know, the stats say that this is in Ontario, Illinois, 75 to 85% of new agents do not, do not renew their mortgage license after two years. Crazy, right? Which is really high. So this is a picture of Omaha Beach. Omaha Beach was the highest casualty beach in D-Day. So when the allies invaded France, this beach, the casualty rate was 40 to 50%. So if you ever watched that movie, Saving Private Ryan, and it was, it was that movie is crazy, right? First scene, they're bouncing in the boats and then they hit the beach and then the gate opens and then just it's carnage, craziness. You have a better chance of surviving Omaha Beach than you do of being in this business two years from now. And just like my original mentor told me at the beginning, this is going to be harder than you think. And if you come into it with the wrong mindset, you are going to struggle. So don't worry, we're going to help you with the mindset stuff and all this. But just be aware that this is a challenging business. Our goal as a company is to flip that. We want to have a 75% success rate with our agents and be like, no, no, we're the flip. Maybe 75% of agents don't renew after two years. We want 75% of our agents to be crushing it. Unfortunately, I can't tell you that it's going to be 100% because I don't believe it will be. I think there's going to be some folks that come in here and this is not going to be for them. And that's totally okay. Maybe it's a side industry. Maybe you end up working as an assistant. Maybe you end up working at a lender or some other thing or, you know, Maybe you end up taking the skills you learned from this and decide to do some kind of internal sales, like selling cars or something, whatever. But not everybody's going to make it, unfortunately. But we're going to try to get as many of you as possible. And if you want to have the highest success rate, stay on the path. Just every day that we send you these videos of what to do, do those. So the truth is, this is a technical sales job. You are going to be uncomfortable a lot. And finally, the underwriting piece is not something that you should spend the next six months trying to master because you won't remember it. You can only learn it by doing so what I mean by a technical sales job, so imagine you sold you know, HVAC systems or computer systems, something technical, right? There's three things that you must do if you run this business. You must find customers, you must convert customers, and then you must do the installation. So if you've got these you know, HVAC systems, somebody's doing the marketing. They get the customer on the phone and then, okay, then they send out the sales rep who goes out and looks at it and says, yes, Mr. Customer, we can do this, this, and that. This is what's going to cost, outstanding. And then somebody comes and installs it. And in most businesses, except the mortgage business, there's different people that have different skill sets that for all three of those roles, you have to do all of them in this business. Now, as your business gets bigger, and as we coach people in our academy, you can focus on marketing, you can focus just on the sales when you get really good. In fact, you can actually make the marketing very much automated later on, but not to start. And then the installations is obviously underwriting, right? So the way that we've broken this down in our program is we think if there's three main disciplines that you're going to learn, we're going to teach you how to find clients. We're going to teach you how to convert clients and we're going to teach you how to fund mortgages and the money. So if you think about this back to the question I asked you at the beginning about which skill do you think is the most valuable? If you just knew how to find clients, you could start a marketing company and make a fortune because that's what banks pay for. That's what True North does. That's what some of these big companies do. They're marketing companies. They understand how to find clients. If you get good at converting clients, you know, you can either be internal sales. So there's people that work at banks all the time, you know, that are fantastic at their converting, but they can't find the business right? And then there's funding. So the funding of the mortgages is understanding the policies and the guidelines. And let me ask you this, who do you think knows more about TD's underwriting guidelines, the senior TD underwriter or a mortgage broker that works at TD? They do. But yet that senior underwriter who works for TD might make 125K a year, maybe a little higher. So let's call it in the current market, because but typically an underwriter would make 75 to $100,000 a year. If you're, you know, a higher end would be 125. 
I would say a mediocre mortgage broker can make a hundred grand a year. So just think about that. Why would they pay like a average, maybe mediocre is the wrong word, an average mortgage broker almost as much as they pay somebody who has ridiculous amounts of technical knowledge? Because the money is in finding and converting, which is why at the front of this program, especially in the first part of this 100-day thing, is we're going to focus really heavily on the find and convert. Because if you get them, we'll help you find them. Like the underwriting coaches will like, you just need to get them. And then we're going to coach you each mortgage. You'll learn more from each mortgage you do. You're like, oh, I didn't know this. You're going to learn the different technical stuff. So one other point to be aware of, you're going to be uncomfortable a ton. And so hopefully you've already done the mindset stuff that was previously to this. And if you haven't, go back and finish it. I'm telling you right now, you're going to go all over the place like a roller coaster. You got to have a daily mindset routine. So, you know, one of the reasons people fail is they don't understand the type of job they're in and then they don't protect the mindset. And then they have a, you know, a file go sideways or they lose their confidence. So you have to build a daily mindset routine. You're going to notice that we have a ton of mindset work that we do attend the weekly mindset session. So every week we're doing mindset stuff always like it's absolutely critical. And then ultimately, so as much as you're like, Hey, I want to learn all the technical stuff. I promise you, you're going to learn it. You have to work on live files. My daughter just got her driver's license not that long ago and she nailed the written test. Well, she just about backed into a car coming out of my driveway the other day because there's a difference between passing the test and being really good at driving, right? You can only learn driving by doing, you can only learn underwriting mortgages by doing them. Because the complexity in the current market between the lender guidelines, the insurer guidelines, and then multiply that by the nuances that each client has, it really only starts to sink in when you bring a client in. You can read broker kits till you're like blue in the face. Until you have a client who is counting on you, uh, paycheck in the middle, that lesson is yours. You will learn it. And even when you're going to lose the odd file here and there, you'll still learn it. And then you ultimately remember those lessons. So back to the thing, why do banks pay us, Right. It's not a trick question. They pay us to find them clients, period, full stop. That's why we're in this business. So remember, this is a technical sales job. The way we've broken this down for you to make it really simple is find, convert, and fund. And on the find, we're going to go into this in the upcoming sessions. Convert is really about the client conversations that you're going to have. And then funding is about the underwriting piece. And then finally, as I said, underwriting is mastered one file at a time. I promise you, this is the fastest way up the mountain. And you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how much better it is to focus it this way. Okay, so we'll see you in the next video and we'll talk soon. All right, hopefully I didn't scare you too much with why brokers fail. The reality is, is that unfortunately people come in with the wrong expectations. They don't realize what type of business that we're in and they don't understand what to focus on. And so this is why it's important to have a plan. If you want to find out how our plan works and how we've evolved it, go to rookie2rockstar.ca. You can check out a webinar I do there. I walk you through how we've helped rookie mortgage brokers fund hundreds of millions of dollars in mortgages in just 15 months since we've been doing this. And in this next segment, I'll be talking to Tom about how to become a master of renewals. Hey, Tom, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, great to be here. So, hey, what uh, topic are we going to jump into today? Yeah, so something that, you know, we talk about a lot, I mean, on this podcast, but also with our clients, but wanted to talk about it again, just because it is very top of mind and something that we're getting a ton of requests on from our clients. So how I want to kind of phrase this segment is how to become a renewals master. So how are we going to apply mastery to this concept that on the surface seems, you know, pretty straightforward. Hey, know what a renewal is, know what I need to do, but how do we get mastery over it? And kind of the three parts that I think about when it comes to that. 
Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. of like, you remember He-Man and the Master of the Universe is like He-Man and the Master <laughs> Renewalverse. So that's let's it. Go, okay. Let's yeah. Yeah. I think that, that's, that's that was the, before my time, I think. You know, yeah, so, I guess but, you're younger yeah. than me. That was like a cartoon <laughs> I used to watch every day. And he was just like a big muscle guy. And uh, right. anyway, okay. So tell me what's yeah. the kind of first thing you think about if you wanted to master renewals right now, what are you seeing that people are doing? Yeah. And I think the first one is kind of the lowest hanging fruit, what people think about you know, first and foremost, and obviously it is very important. You can't talk about mastery without it, which is just your active clients, right? So, okay, these people who I've closed three or five years ago, whatever it might be, the renewal is coming up, you know, taking advantage of that. And really, I think how I think about it and how we kind of phrase all of our campaigns around this is really about two things. One, just being proactive, right? So kind of getting these follow-ups are leading up to renewals on some sort of campaign or some sort of at least process. So you can be very proactive. And then mm-hmm. as you're being proactive, you know, providing that education, because I think that especially now, and this is kind of what we're seeing, you know, these renewals are becoming more important because clients are saying, well, I am renewing. What does this mean for me? And are my rates going to triple? I've been hearing all these things in the news, you know, what's going to happen to my payments. And so being able to provide that education and that peace of mind, if you will, is a big part, I think of, especially now taking care of your active clients. Right. So yeah, for sure. Be proactive, get in front of them much sooner than you think. And, you know, like, I think like Jim Terlucas is getting in front of them like 13 months out. Yeah. You know, right. And so yeah, like, yeah. you don't want to leave it to four months out. You need to be in front of it. So, and then it's all about educating them on options, you know, and just have a sensible opinion on what's going on in the market. You need to be able to have that conversation, not a sensible and informed, educated opinion so that you can speak about it. So I think that's important. So yeah. obviously active clients, what other areas are you seeing people who are doing well in renewals? What kind of things are they focusing on? Yeah. And I think, I mean, you know, to that point of, you know, want to be proactive with your clients, you know, if you're not going to do it, then someone else will. And that really leads to point two and three, which is, you know, how you can actually go out and, you know, kind of fish and find some more, but in the context of renewals. So the next pillar of the mastery would be looking at those, what I call additional properties. And I think you called them non-subject properties. So basically those properties or those mortgages, I guess, more specifically that someone has put on their mortgage application is not the one that you're actively working on, But since as part of that application, they said, okay, well, I have a mortgage, you know, at this place with this renewal date, right? And it's kind of a cool thing, you know, that you actually get almost the clients are obliged to tell you of what they have. have Yeah, I mean, we can't get more money if we don't know what they owe and what they're paying. So it's like, there's an opportunity there, but I don't think a lot of brokers actually track that very well. And I think, you know, this is where... You know, they're looking for a new deal. It's like, hey, I gotta go find a new deal, but they're literally tripping over the what do they say, tripping over the dollars to get to the nickels. Yeah. And so right. they're forgetting yeah. the fact that you know somebody has non-subject properties. Those should be going into your CRM. You should be have a follow-up plan for them as well. And even if you don't get them all, there's going to be business in it for you. Like literally, it's yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars. So you're probably just like, you know, yeah. I heard somebody say you must hate money if you don't do that. Right. Like if you hate <laughs> yeah. money, then you know, ignore then, it. But if you then ignore it, yeah. Well, I think it's just, I mean, a couple of things that one is that, you know, it's much better than a brand new client because you've already built that relationship. You know, two, it's of course, you know, opportunity there just to close the deal. But then three, you know, to your point, you might not close them all, but you know, you've built that relationship and it adds to your what I call kind of being that trusted advisor where, hey, you know, Tom or Scott or whoever reached out to me, knew this was coming up, wanted to see how I was doing, couldn't work with him, but wow, you know, he's really taking care of me and I want to make sure that, you know, I do right by him or her or whatever, right? So there's a lot of 
kind of secondary benefits too than just you know that new deal. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So active clients, non-subject properties, what other area are you finding people who are doing well on renewals are focusing right. on? Yeah, the last one is kind of a cool one. And I've seen a couple of people do this with success. So, you know, it's something that I've been starting to preach a bit. And it's this idea, I call them lost leads, but they're basically people that you work with, you know, maybe around five years ago that, you know, for one reason or the other, they weren't able to do a mortgage with you, but just following up with them, right? Most people are on that five-year term. Maybe they went to a bank or maybe they went to another broker or whatever it is, but, you know, reaching out and saying, hey, five years ago, we chatted. You know, it's usually about a five-year renewal, just seeing if you're in that process right now and if you're interested in a second opinion. I think that goes a super long way. And I think now more than ever, again, with, you know, to put it lightly, I guess the water's a little bit choppier. People are looking for that second opinion, right? Hey, I went with my yeah. bank, but am I really getting that best rate, right? And hey, my bank just told me my payments are doubling. Oh, now I really want to go shopping, right? So if right. you could be that first person of that second option or that second opinion, you know, there is a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've heard of people doing this actually going back to their whole, everybody that they've ever got an app on and just start calling through them and you will find business in it. Most of the time, the problem, the reason we don't do it is we think in our heads that they're going to care more than we do. Like the vast majority of people are not <laughs> right. going to care. If you reach right, out and yeah. you're not a jerk, you know, if you're not weird about it, right? Like, you know, hey, Tom, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember me, but we talked a few years ago about your mortgage. And one of the things I always like to do is anybody that I've talked to about a mortgage, I've made a commitment this year to reach out and answer any questions they have to do with interest rates and stuff. And so that's why I'm reaching out. Answer anything I can help with. Yeah. You're going to be like, yeah. you know, and you start with that, like, Oh, cool. Thanks, man. Like, they're not going to care. Here's the thing. Your customers are not sitting around thinking about you at all. Like, <laughs> at all. Yeah. Like, even the ones that right. like you, they don't. It's only when you reach out, it's fine, but we can get stuck in our heads about this. And so I think it's important to just not overthink it and just be like, yeah. you know, and lead with genuinely trying to help people out in value and you'll be fine. Like, yeah. That, genuinely help them out. And, you know, even if you can throw in like an ounce, just a, a little, little bit of personalization, you know, and that's, mm -hmm. you know, talking a little bit about, you know, CRM saying, Hey, I remember, you know, five years ago, you said, you know, you were moving to wherever Kelowna, how'd that move go yeah. by the way, right? Something like that. If you can just have one, you know, little piece like that, you know, it blows people's minds. I was talking to someone who said that someone who reached out after about 15 years, like someone who's been in the industry a while, you know, for whatever reason, they remembered, hey, I think you're an airline pilot. Is that right? And they were blown away and they, you know, closed the deal very quickly because there was that, just right. that one little piece of that one. Little, yeah, that's true. Yeah. This is where keeping, yeah. you know, your details is important. So I think this is fantastic. So what's your last kind of word on this whole or last thoughts on this? Yeah. So, I mean, three pillars, your active clients, those non-subject properties and lost leads. And I kind of the challenge with this all is people I talk to say, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But the big trick and the big unlock for all three of these is building a process around it, right? So that could be a high level of automation. That could be just a series of, you know, a call list that you got to work through, whatever it looks like. But getting this into a process, get this into your day-to-day -day or week-to-week, -week, right? Whatever it might be, but getting it as part of a rhythm, that's really how you know these things really take off. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. If you guys are listening to this and you want to be able to keep track of these things like non-subject properties, like your lost leads, like you know if they were a pilot or whatever, check out bluemortgage.ca. That's blue with no E. And Tom and his team can help you out. Tom, always good chat with you, brother. And um, yeah, I totally agree. I think renewals are going to be a big part of the strategy for 2023, for sure. Thanks, Scott. 
All right. Thanks again for listening to this. Hopefully you guys got some ideas for your mortgage business. And if you're new, welcome to the mortgage business. It's an amazing time to be a mortgage broker, but it's also more difficult now than ever, for sure. We're going through a season where it's going to be a purge, not in a, hey, we're going to kick your door into your house and like the movie, but more like the brokers who don't want to do the work, the brokers who had it too good for too long, that don't want to prospect, they're going to be going the way of the dodo bird. And there's going to be tons of opportunity for new and hungry mortgage brokers. And we're seeing that in our brokerage from some of the people that we're working with. And uh, yeah, so come check that out at rookie And thanks again for listening to this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.